Everybody good this morning? Everybody awake? I've been gone a couple weeks. It's time to get with it this morning. Hope you brought it to lunch. I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> my name is Michael Page. If you're new, uh, I'm the I'm the campus pastor here at Connection Church Pooler. Um, and I, like like Eric said, like Thomas said, we are so excited that you're here. Uh, if, you're, if it's your first time, uh, get plugged in, man. Like there is no amount of excitement difference in going to church and being a part of the church. Can we agree with that? Okay, if nobody's told you, I, I, I got to have a conversation. Y'all got to talk back to me this morning. It's going to be a long sermon, okay? So, yes, yes, let's go. Come on. So, so get involved. Now, if you're not involved in the Connect Group, I promise you, find someone in this room that's involved in a Connect Group, and they will tell you, man, it's so worth getting involved in a Connect Group. I promise. Get involved in that stuff. And if your next step is baptism, if you've been saved and never been baptized, or if, you, or if you've re- recently recommitted your life to Christ and you want to start in a place of newness, come get baptized next week. Um, just visit our next steps table, and that would get you plugged in. And so, um, after I've welcomed the the guest, I, I, the next thing I want to do is just kind of share with you guys where we're at. Um, in the next eight weeks, we're trying to find another place to meet because we can't meet in the school anymore in about six or eight weeks. And God is moving. God is showing us places. God is directing our steps. God is is showing where he wants us to go. And it's so cool to watch him do this because I I tell you from the very get-go of our church, the birth of our church back at the karate school at Pula Karate, our hope for this body has always been that we wouldn't just be another church in this area. But we would be, uh, we would be set, we would set ourselves out to launch a movement for the good of our community and for the glory of God. That's what we wanted to do. We, didn't, we don't want to be just another church on the dot. We want, to, we want to launch something special, a movement that God is calling us to. And our goal, our goal is to plant, and as our church is, or, or has never been to plant a church in this area where people hear about how great our church is, or, or how cool our services are, or how awesome our band is, or, or any of those things. That's not, what our, that's not what our goal has ever been. The, the goal has always been in this place, in this church, to bring glory and fame to the name of Jesus. Because that is the only name under the, under the heavens that matters. And that's the only person that deserves the glory is Jesus Christ. Can I say, can you say yes on that one? Correct? That's right. Okay, so this morning, our heart is for us to see the people around us to understand what the gospel means. You know, we serve a God that is, that is worthy. If you look in Scripture, we serve a God that is worthy of the most extravagant expressions of worship, don't we? But, and so many times I find myself in worship services distracted or, or, or bored or lost. But when I read the words that I'm singing to God, I'm like, how can I let myself become bored with that? Does that make sense? Because listen, we serve a God who is, who is worthy of, of all honor and praise and glory, the most extravagant expressions of worship. And let me tell you, in case you haven't watched the news lately or driven through um, our area lately, we live in a world and in a community that is in need of the most extravagant efforts to reach it. We need to be going out into our community. We can't be lazy in this area. We have to be an outreaching church. And in my comforts, our own can always been and always will be to that we would be a church that would forego our own comforts, our own conveniences that our culture is telling us to go after. And that we would come together as a church. That we would come together in giving ourselves for our community to see the gospel reach the unreached peoples of the world and the, and the unreached people in our community that need the message of Jesus. Because that's why we meet. That's why we come and open these pages of Scripture. That's why we get people to raise their hands and end the service, because we want them to follow a Savior. We want them to be free from sin. We want them to be free from the life that tells them they have to do something to get saved. Jesus has done all it takes. 
Jesus has done everything it takes. And listen, this morning, this is why we follow Jesus. And this is what following Jesus looks like, is denying ourselves and running after him, running after him in the same direction that he's running in. And we want to reach the next generation, man. Like, if you get on this hallway about, seems like two miles, but it's only about 100 yards maybe, there's a, there's a group of kids in there, and we want to reach that group of people, those next generation of believers, in a relevant way that will create in them a laser-focused direction and seeing the Great Commission a finished task, not just something we talk about, not just something we put on a memory verse, but something we see completed. How awesome would that be to say, you share the Christ with somebody one day, and all of a sudden the, the heavens open up and the Great Commission's over and Jesus comes back. Kind of excitement to see Jesus coming and his will be done in this place. You know, because I promise you, we want to create in this room, in those rooms back there, we want to create spiritual giants. People who go into our community and see like, man, that person knows Jesus. He's been with Jesus today. I, we, don't want to, we don't want to create spiritual leeches, okay? Spiritual leeches are the people who come and take, come and take, and never come and give. And that's what the church, the Big C Church, has been doing for 50 or 60 to 100 years. They've created entitled Christians who come to a place on Sunday mornings, pastor, give me a word, worship pastor, leave me in a good song, and then I go out and I feel better about myself. That is not what Scripture talks about. This place is supposed to be like an aircraft carrier. We fly in, get ammunition, get fueled up, and get sent back out into the world to go into battle for the people around us. That's what it's called. That's what we're called to do as Christians. And to see this happen, we're going to have to be a church that prays big, scary prayers, that serves, that gives, and that believes in what God has called us to do according to this word. And if it's your first time this morning, you come on a great Sunday because you're going to hear exactly what we're going to be talking about today is what, our, what the DNA of our church is going to be. So if you're looking for a church home, this is a great week to be here because what we're talking about today is our DNA, who we are going to be walking into the future. Because we believe if we do our part, if we do our part in praying, serving, giving, what he said he wants to do, we believe if we do that, God will answer. Do y'all believe that? Because, listen, if you don't, it means you haven't read Scripture because the promises of that are in Scripture. John 14, 14 says, You may ask me anything in my name. And what does it say? I will do it. Asking anything according to his will. Is it his will for people to be made disciples? Yes. Is it his will for people to be freed from sin? Yes. Is it his will for people to be brought into a place of, of, of healing and, and liberty? Yes. Those are what God's will is. And it doesn't stop there. You can look at John 4. You can look at Matthew 21, 1 John 5, John 15, Colossians 3, Mark 13, John 14. The same promises every one of those chapters in the Bible. And God wants freedom in that for us this morning. And we must, we must be an outward-focused church must be. We can never turn our eyes inward, ever. Because if we do that, we become, we lose track of who we are. And that's why I get so, as a pastor, sometimes it gets frustrating because like, we see people get, I'm in. We, we don't see them again for three or four weeks or a month. But like, our heart is this, is that we would see people get invested in the body of Christ. It'll, and this is the thing, everybody's here and you're just, you're pitching for your church. I'm not pitching for Connection Church. If you don't want to do that here, I pray that you would find a church that preaches the people as Christians that, and you would get invested there. You don't have to be here. I, but I pray that as people, as Christians, that we would be involved in a body of church, a body of believers moving forward for the kingdom, seeing the kingdom, seeing kingdom language happening around us, seeing, seeing things change around us. And as a church on mission, 
as a church on mission, our, 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 our questions should stop sounding like, what can I get out of this? And start sounding more like, how can I bring more joy and healing to my community? How can I bring more more health to my church? How can I give more? How can I serve more? How can I make a difference? What can I do in my sphere of influence to see the mission of God carried out in my lifetime? What, 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 what am I able to do? What giftings has God given me? What can I put into play to see that happen? And I'm going to give a series of talks about this very soon of where we're going as a church. This is going to be like a, just a little taste of what we're going to be talking about over the next few months of what we're going to be, where we're going as a church and what it's going to take from each person that calls this place home, a church. What it's going to take from each of you and what it's going to take from me to see this happen. And if you don't call this place home, then this doesn't really, it didn't really apply, I guess, but I, I want you to call this home if this is where you want to be at. So you don't want to miss that. But today, I, I need you to ask yourselves two questions. There's probably going to be more because that's how I am. We need to answer clearly in your heart as we start to step into this season of change in our church. Number one is this, and you need, to, you need to search your heart here. Are you ready? Are you, as in you, you, all around the room, me, are you ready to put Jesus and his mission first in our lives? It's a big question because that affects everything. Everything you do, your job, your finances, your, 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 where you live at, where you go to school at, where you work at, how do you do this or this? Are you ready to put Jesus and his mission first in our lives. The second question, are you ready to surrender to do whatever God is calling us to do as a church and as individuals? Are you ready? Are you ready to surrender everything to do whatever God has called you to do? Think about that, man, for a minute. Really wrap your mind around this. In Acts, you see this in Acts 2, all the way through Acts. They were surrendering their lives. If we put God first in everything, if we put God first in everything in your individual lives and in this church, truly first, not just giving it lip service, oh God, you're first. No, truly putting him first in all things. What would he do in and through just this church? Think about that for a second. If you've read scripture at any point and you've seen with a group of people who are surrendered, with faithful, sold out, surrendered hearts, what can he do with a group of people who are surrendered to him saying yes first and what do you want me to do second? Does that make sense? Is this scary? It should be a little bit, but it should pump you up. If, if I was sitting out there and another guy up here was preaching this to me, I'd be having a hard time sitting in my seat because I'm fired up. Let's go run through some walls for the Lord. Let's go do this. I'm fired up because, listen, if we think about that, if we, what if he did, what if he did, what, what will he do? What will or could he do with a church if we all, all of us surrendered our all to him, put him first and started to allow him what he wanted to do on the basis of what he wanted us to do and how we made our decisions was based on what he wanted instead of what I wanted. What would that look like? And this morning, we're going we're gonna to be a little challenged a little bit on this and what it takes and what it looks like to put Jesus first in our lives. And because what I think, what I know, what I, what I was raised in as a church um, you know, I've seen the, the church has been, people in the church have been self-deceived for a very long time. You know, I feel like we've, we've equated being saved and, 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 and with going to church and knowing some facts and, and being a good person. And nowhere in Scripture do I see that being the case. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. 
being saved means that Jesus is Lord of your life and how we make decisions immersed in our lives. It means our, in our decisions, in our jobs, in our money, and how we make decisions. It means we love Jesus and are learning to walk in his love for us. And something that convicted me this week was a quote by Charles Spurgeon. And it says, he says this, he says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And it hit me in the face because I was like, man, what am I? Like, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Because if we're a Christian, we're by definition on mission for the gospel, for the kingdom. That's what it says in scripture. And if we're not, then we're living in, a, in a, an imposter type lifestyle. I'm not saying you're not saved. But I'm saying we need to get on task. And so this morning, that's what we need to understand is my heart as our pastor, as if we would all be missionaries on mission and on task as we follow Jesus. And the way we're going to start describing that here at Connection Church Pooler is that phrase I told you a couple weeks ago. We are always going to honor God with our time, with our treasures, and our talent in this place. Always. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read this together. And I'm going to pray for us as you're turning there, and uh, we're going to read Colossians 1, 15 through 20. And it says this, Lord, we love you so much. God, I pray that you would just move in this place. I pray that you would just come and just bless the reading of your word. God, I pray that you would just bless the, the words that are spoken this morning. God, I pray that you would just uh, don't let us leave here the same. Change our hearts, God. We just want to honor you in all that we do and all that we are, God, at every step of the way. Father, in your name I pray. Amen. All right, Colossians, and there are there is a reason why there are balloons on stage, guys. That's not weird. So get a laugh. All right, so Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is where we're going to be at. Y'all awake? Okay, all right, just making sure. All right, Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is where we're going to be at. Everybody there? All right, we got one guy on there. Okay, all right. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Okay, we see here now that Jesus is God. That's what it says. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, circle that, all things have been created through him. Who, who's him? Jesus. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. That's, that's cut and dry. It's clear, right? Are we clear on that? All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus, he, he is before all things. In him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything, those two words can be circled too, in everything, he might have supremacy. All things, listen, this morning, I want us to focus on those things where I told you to circle. All things have been created through him and for him, and so that in everything, he might have the supremacy. So a question this morning, as we start off here this morning, does Jesus have supremacy in every area of your life? And you're like, Michael, just relax. You're being a little too intense. No, I'm not. This is scripture. Does Jesus have supremacy in everything in your life. And it's easy because our culture has taught us how to be, well, I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. You know, you know, listen, that's, that's not it. Supremacy is everything in your life. He has supremacy over. Does the way you spend your time, your treasure, your talent, declare that Jesus is first in your life? 
The word supreme, I'm a big nerd, remember, supreme, is, it's the, the word supreme, the definition is highest in rank or authority, highest in degree or quality. So my question in that is, is if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this question down, is this, what gets my first and best? What gets my, bur- my first, my, my burst? What gets my first and my best? What? If you know what it is, write it down next to the words you're writing down. Like, if it's, if it's your favorite, write it down. That's, that's normal. If you, what gets your first and your best? If you know it, write it down. What Paul says in this, in this verse is Jesus should have the first place, the supremacy in everything. And that means, what it means is he should have the first place in your heart and your affections, and the way you love people and love him. And and he should be the one that you love the most more than anything else because the person who died on a cross for you deserves the greatest love that can ever be given to anybody. And if if we're not giving our affections to Jesus and basically saying, Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for loving me enough to die for me and making a way. If we're not in that place, if we're not in that realm of thinking, then we haven't got the gospel yet. We might not be saved. Listen, because the reason why that we are so affectionate and loving and thankful to Jesus is because of what, what God has done through Jesus on the cross. Because without that, we would be hopeless. There would be no hope. There would be no reason for us to come here today. There would be no reason for us to go to work on Monday because we would have no hope of anything past 70 years or 80 years. Or if you're lucky, 100 years. No hope. Does he have the first place in your obedience? Basically, what that means is what he wants should be the first consideration in anything you do. That's the insight, man. And he loves you, and 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 he's sovereign, and he's good. Remember those questions we had a few weeks ago? God loves you, he's sovereign, and he's good. I'll follow a man like that until I'm dead. Because he loves me, and he's sovereign. Does he have first place in your obedience? Does he have first place in your priorities? Does his agenda rule your life? If it doesn't, it, you can't really say I'm a follower of Jesus. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to step on it. If I am, it's okay, but we can talk about it. Listen, it, it, it's, it's just what it is. It's scripture. Can you say you're following Jesus without his agenda ruling your life? Can't, you can't do that. It's, a, that's like, it's, it's like a double negative there. You can't, it's not, it doesn't work. It, it, you can't do that in this. Okay, you got it? So anyway, as we said earlier, at Connection, we're going to begin saying what this means, this concept. It's going to reveal itself in three ways in your life, in three real ways. And the first one we talked about was time. It's going to reveal itself in, in your time. Does God get the first and the best of your time? Do you spend more time teaching your kids how to play a sport or to do good in school than you do teaching them about Jesus? Do you spend more time worrying about climbing the workplace ladder than you do seeking the Lord. You know, what, what does that look like? If all your weekly commitments, all the things you have to do during the week, after are your, are your commitments to the kingdom of God, to church, to something else comes up? Serving, loving, all this kind of stuff, or are these the first things that go when something else comes up? These are hard questions, I know. I, I had to ask myself these questions when I was preaching to myself this sermon. So these are convicting questions, and that's a good place to be. Conviction is good. The world is making conviction bad. Conviction is good because it's showing you God is, is pulling at your heart. Number two is in your talents. When you think about your talent, everybody in here has a talent. You've, you were created with a purpose. 
God has created you with a specific set of gifts that he's putting in your life to build the kingdom up. You may not know what they are because you may have just never thought about them. But you have one. You have one or two or three or probably more than that. But you have two or three that are really strong and that the Lord wants to see you use for the kingdom, for the church, to build the church up. Go read Ephesians 4. Building the church up, equipping the saints. That's what, is, that's what our giftings are about. And your talents and your giftings, your career, does the kingdom of God get first consideration in all those things? Where, where you work, how, how you do your job. Because God gave you a talent for a reason, guys. And your, your workplace really is a, is a mission field. You look in Scripture, your, people's workplaces became places where they did missions. You, and you should see your job, if your perspective should, should change as you change your heart when you're following Jesus as a means to getting into a place to bring the gospel to people who don't know it. And then you look at the best scene, the, the, the lens of your life shift. And then you look at the benefits, the financial benefits of your career. Does the first and the foremost go towards the kingdom? Like it talks about in Scripture. This leads me to my last one. Is The third part is, is, is he getting the first and the best of our treasure? As we move forward as a church, we're going to continue to ask this question about our treasures, about how, how we're doing this as a church, and, and, and who or what gets the first and the best of our treasures, of your treasures. What, what gets the first and the best of our money and how we, how we spend our money and where, where it goes and what things, how, how, what does it look like? And so as we go forward, I want us to, I want us to put um, these things, these, the, how we deal with our money into two categories, first and best, and then just enough, okay? Those are the two categories, first and best and just enough. Because in all our lives, there are things, there's some things we really strive for, for the best in, and sometimes you're willing to, to, to live with just enough in order to get the, the first and the best of something else, right? We've all been there. I'll give you an example. A mortgage, house. Who's ever bought a house in here? Well, some of us, okay. There's, there's been that, and if you're a real estate agent here, I'm really sorry, but real estate agents always put you on the top end of your budget when you look and look at the houses, right? I know it's over your budget, but it's a really cool house. Come look at it, right? What they'll do is they'll, they'll take you to a place that it gives you, they put the dream in your head. I could, I could probably afford this if I did something different here, right? right? Is anybody else getting this? Okay, good. All right, so basically, we love this house, man. My wife will tell you, I'm the one that's the dreamer. She's like, chill, bro. And I'm like, let's go buy this house. We can do it. You know, and she's like, listen, we love this house, and we can afford it, but we'd have to, we'd have to make some adjustments over here. But then we can afford it, right? That's how, I, I won't, I'll stop buying so much on, on iTunes, and then we can afford the house. Or I'll stop buying so much stuff over here, and I can buy the house, and we can, we can live in it happily ever after. Or what about sending your kids to a college? Like, I want to send my kid to Harvard, man. He's on, it's going to be awesome. But listen, I have to, I'd have to sacrifice pretty much the rest of my paycheck over here to be able to do that, and I have to live on, like, saltines and water, you know? So, but I could, get, I could send him to college. Right? Uh, th those are the things we sacrifice for those things. But listen to this. Hear me on this. There's nothing wrong with you putting some things first in your family. There's nothing wrong with that. But my question is this. Why do we rarely ask this question in light of our giving to see the kingdom push forward? Does that make sense? Why do, we ask, why do I rarely hear that question asked? We never seem to have the conversation. We can do this in our giving to the Lord. Listen, we do. That's like, it's so quiet in here. Listen, I'm guilty of this too. 
It's like, I, I like my stuff, man. I, I like my toys. I like the things I buy. I like to spend money. You can ask my wife. And God has been convicting me lately about these things. And, and as we've been looking for a place to meet, and as we've been talking about and dreaming, God's put desires in our hearts to see us reach the ends of the earth through this church, to see our community changed and, and, the, and the lost preached to in, in other countries that have never heard about Jesus. And I'm like, what's going to have to change? Our heart towards our time, our treasure, and our talent. And so why don't we ever have these questions? We could do this in our giving, but some things are going to have to change. Instead, we like to talk about, we ask, we ask this question. We, don't, we might not say it out loud, but we ask this question. How can we afford to, to, how much can we afford to give after all these other commitments are fulfilled? After we got the kind of house we want to live in, after we went on a vacation that we think our family should enjoy, after we drive the kind of cars we want, after we achieve the lifestyle we want, after we send our kids to college and we want them to go to, after all these things, what can we afford from the leftovers to give to God and his mission? And so I read that in Scripture. I read about the disciples in the Scripture. Whenever they're sitting there looking at Jesus going up into heaven. And when one day I'm taking disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them all that I taught you. And when one day I'm coming back, I'll be with you until the ends of the earth. And you, do you think their hearts and their minds were, God, you know, after I, after I get my fishing boat, you know, my nets repaired, then I'll give to your mission, Lord. I, you know, no, they gave their heart and their soul because they saw something bigger than this world had to offer. And that's what they gave their lives to. And Jesus, this morning, if you know who Jesus is, if you've had a revelation, your eyes have been opened to who Jesus Christ is, he does not deserve your leftovers. He does not deserve your leftovers. He deserves first place in everything. And I'm speaking to myself right now. And let me be clear, is I don't think this season of transformation, this season of transition in our church, we're about to walk into is, is something where we're trying to get to some respectable, good enough percentage of giving in our church. That's not what it's about. Instead, I want you, you guys in the audience today, and me on the stage and the band, I want us to ask a simple question to God, all of us, to ask a simple question to God. What is the level of giving that declares unequivocally that you are first in my life? What is that, Lord? And then you say, yes, sir. And then you go with it, and you follow him, and they walk. That's how it plays out, and that's how we want to do that. And let's look at 2 Corinthians real quick together. Second, you don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 8. I can't find 2 Corinthians because it's this way. I'm your pastor. Here we go. All right. Verses 7 through 8. 9, 7 through 8 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, whatever God tells you to. That's what that means. What God has told you to do, do it. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, not under a guilt trip or not feeling like, oh, so let's go do this now. Let's, let's just not, let's not be compulsive. For God loves a cheerful giver. And if God loves a cheerful giver, that's what we should change our hearts to be. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Why? So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll be, able, you'll be abounding in every good work. What that means is we're generous so that we can, be the good, we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus and do the good works that he's called us to do. Turn, turn, go down to verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will re result 
in thanksgiving to God. Notice how Paul starts this conversation about generosity. He doesn't start with a need, right? You notice that? He doesn't start with, God needs your money because he has to carry out his mission. God does not have needs. He doesn't start it that way. Why do you think he doesn't start it that way? Well, I think he doesn't start it that way because God does not have needs. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is where Peter is worried about a tax bill. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Peter's worried about paying the taxes. God, I, Jesus, I got to pay these taxes. I got to pay taxes to Caesar. So what does Jesus do? Jesus sends him out to go fishing. He sends him out to go fishing. Why does he do that? Because he's trying to prove his sovereignty to Peter. The first fish he takes out of his net, guess what it has in his mouth? The amount of taxes he needs to pay Caesar. Jesus does not need our money. He can do anything he wants to get anything he wants done. He created earth out of nothing. He can do anything. He wants to get our hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants to get to your heart because he knows how closely our hearts are tied to our money. I promise you that's true. Our hearts are tied to our money. Verse 11 says, we'd be enriched in every way so that, the reason why we're being enriched in every way is so that we could be generous on every occasion. Every time our church sees a need in our community, we would be able to reach that need. Every time we see a family in need that comes into this church, we'd be able to reach that need. Every time we would be able to do it. And look what it says at the end. It says, through your generosity, the result will be thanksgiving to God. That same people will thank glory, and that should be because of your generosity. He's saying God will receive glory, and that should be all of our heart in here is to receive God, to give God glory, right? We, I, want to, I want God to receive glory for my life, and God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need those things, but generosity from his people is the means by which he carries out his mission on the earth. That's how he carries it out, pushes it forward. It means, it's the means by which he releases his abundance into the world and into your lives. And hear this, guys. This is what I want you to hear this morning. Is this is not an issue of fundraising. This is an issue of discipleship. This is an issue of discipleship and stewardship. The point is that you place all of your time, all of your talent all of your treasure into the hands of the creator, into the hands of the savior and allow him to control how it's used. If somebody were walking here today and put a $75 million check into the offering bucket, after I got up from passing out, I would praise Jesus. But guess what? Next week we would take up an offering. Do you know why? Because it's the goal is to be obedient with what God has given us so that we can do more for the kingdom in our area that needs the light of Jesus. That's what it is. It's to reach an unreached people group of the gospel overseas, to raise up pastors and missionaries to go to cities around us to plant churches, to reach, to create local outreaches in our community programs that are, that are here, that are effective and useful and not just temporary because people lose interest. Our goal as a church is that 100% of people who call Connection home would be cheerful givers from the youngest to the oldest to the richest to the poorest from those who have, are brand new in their faith to those who are most mature not because we want to meet some financial goal of our church but because they, they've caught the vision and the mission and they're true disciples of Christ they're invested and they are investing in the kingdom to see God's kingdom built and glorified 
And for so long, man, like for so long, I've been mad at churches. I've been mad because they've taught about money in probably one of the most misrepresented ways ever. It's been taught to meet a budget or, or taught to, it's not been taught about to, to spread the gospel. That is the heart of every Christian. But let's be real for a second. Can we be real? We good? Okay. I just want to be real for a second. The reason, the reason people have a hard time giving into a church is because people aren't really invested in the work of the church. Listen, right? Not to trust something you have no investment in. Is that right? Listen, as we start investing our time, our talent, and our treasures into the house of God, whether it's this house or the house down the street, I don't care. I just want you to be invested in the house of God somewhere. If you're invested in the house of the Lord and you start investing your time, your treasure, and your talent in those places, your love for people, your love for the Lord, and your love for the kingdom will skyrocket. Right? You ask anybody who sent a kid to college. You start paying thousands and thousands of dollars to the University of Georgia, you're all of a sudden an awesome Georgia fan. Just telling you. So my question is who or what gets the best in your life? Who or what gets the best in your life? Is it Jesus? Is it, the, is it his church? Because I tell you right now, you cannot love Jesus and not love and participate in the church. That is biblically impossible. Nowhere in scripture do I see that. Nowhere. I see people coming to the Lord and getting involved in the church. And let me, be, let me be clear. I'll be really personal about something. Savannah and I, we've had conversations. We've realized that our giving, our giving has become just enough, good enough. And it's, it's, it's 10%, maybe more, more, more than 10% some days. But guess what? I, we could probably do more. And we've talked about that. Does our giving say you are first? We just had twins, Braxton and Chloe, in our lives. And I want, I want our giving, because we just had twins, Braxton and Chloe. They're sitting back there. I want, I want to be so unequivocally declaring to the Lord, you are the reason I exist. You are the point of me living. You are getting everything. You, if, if you haven't reached down into this world and gone first and, and gone to the cross for me, I would be lost. We sang this second ago, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That's what it looks like. And here's my question for you. In this season of transition, does Jesus hold the position in your life or is he just one of your priorities on a list of things? Is he important to you or is he first? Think about that. There's a difference. Is Jesus important to you or is he first? If we aren't using our time, our treasure, and our talent for the kingdom purposes that they were intended for, the Bible says we're stealing from God. I'm just being real. If we're taking what God has so generously given to us and using it for its unattended purposes to bring glory to ourselves and comfort and conveniences to ourselves and not to glorify him, that's called theft. That's what the Bible says. And what I found in my life before I met my wife, I didn't give. I, I was not a tither. I was like, yeah, whatever. You're going to figure out yourself. And he showed me, Michael, the reason you weren't giving is because money was an idol. And as I started giving, my mind started changing. I said, God, it's yours. It's all yours anyway. God, 10% is a lot. Yeah, but 90% is more. And that's what I told you you can keep. God's a God of blessing. God's a God of blessing. He's a God of love. And as a church, guys, and I know my voice is going out, but whatever, this will be our heart as a church as we move forward. 
Jesus will be first in all that we do. And if that's not okay, you don't have to come here. It's okay. I want you to be, but Jesus will be first in all the decisions we make, all the things that we do, so that we can reach out to a community that needs us in our world to make a difference in people's lives and not just some small difference. Here's some clothes. Here's some food. No, but a radical difference that will show how good and loving our God is. God, listen, the world is tired of cheap talk and hypocrisy from churches. They're, they're tired of it. The church is ready. The, the world is ready for a church that's real, who lives this right here. And I believe God is calling us not to plant another church. I believe God's calling us to a movement, a movement of people to see the world changed around us. And I believe he can do it. And some of this is going to be looked at as, I'm going to give you a quick little run through of Acts 1.8. You'll be the framework of our mother, and you'll go into Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria as my witnesses. That's going to that's be the framework of our mission strategy. Jerusalem is here. Judea is a little further out. Samaria is to the ends of the earth. Right now, our Jerusalem is connecting kids. We have kids back there, and, and we have connectors in the back. We want to raise up and equip our children from a young age to be the front runners to the next generation, to see their schools, their universities, and their families affected by the gospel of Jesus. That's why we're given. We refuse to be babysitters of your children. We're going to teach them about Jesus. We're raising up the next generations of pastors, of missionaries, of store clerks, of engineers, of people who can go into the workforce and spread the gospel in their areas. We want to start a special needs room. In our Connection Kids area, we want families of kids who have special needs to feel confident that we love them and have a space created just for them to hear the gospel on a level they can understand. We want them to feel loved. We want their parents to have no worries while they're sitting in here worshiping the Lord. Hosanna Helpers, right now we're partnering with this ministry that reaches out to area children and homeless, underprivileged. And we have teams who go every month and serve food and hands out clothes and teach, teach Bible lessons. We want to support this ministry and many more. Our student ministry. I got it this last week. God is moving in that place. 17 students. I got a text on Tuesday from a parent saying his daughter got saved because of her attendance at our Wednesday night Bible studies. Is that not worth it? That's awesome. That's incredible. We want to see an FCA program started in a high school near us that has been overlooked because of the dangers of going into the place. We want to be the people that go in there and share the love with those people. We want to see that happen. We want to create printed discipleship material and get the new believers. We want to have a permanent facility. Who would love to have that, man? Like, listen, an aircraft carrier. Remember, not a, not a cruise ship where we can prop our feet up. Listen, Chatham County is 54% unchurched. Is that okay? That's not okay. I want to see that change. I want you to see, want to see that changed. Our Judea, we want to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. We want to raise up pastors out of this house to go plant churches in cities like Brunswick or Charleston or Columbia or wherever God leads us around our area. And we want to see those people raised up and, and be strategically placed to see the kingdom built in those areas. We want to partner with other ministries in the United States and inner city Atlanta, places we can see people poured into. We can see our Lord raised high, local and foreign missions. Right now, guys, there's 
if not more, of our world's population have never heard the name Jesus, never seen a Bible, never seen a Christian, doesn't know what a Christian looks like. And that shouldn't sit well with us if we believe this. There's 6,500 unreached people groups. Unreached people, not people, people groups. 6,500. We want to do our part to see that change. Are y'all with me on that? We want to do our part to see that change. I see in 10 years this church will have 10 foreign missionaries leaving this place to go live full-time in another country to bring the message of Christ to a people group. We want to adopt a people group. We want to adopt a people group who has never heard the name of Jesus. We want to send full-time missionaries. And let me tell you, some of those people may be sitting here today, and you don't even know about it. You're like, man, I remember 10 years ago, Michael told me about this, and I didn't never realize I'd be in this way, you know. You'd be gone. We'd be praying you out of here. You'd be going away. You know, listen, we'll be doing a series soon about this. And this, and this is, you need to be back for this because this is going to give you some more in-depth stuff of what we're trying to do. And as we become cheerful givers into the kingdom, that's what we're given to, to invest in a house, to invest in this house. We're investing in the kingdom of God out there, trying to carry out in the community that are planted around us in the larger parts of the earth as big picture. Because what I've learned is that giving and generosity is big picture investment. Big picture. The big picture. Not next week. Not next week. Our vision is not limited to next week or next month. I'm serving next week. I'm serving next month. That's not what it's about. We've seen very clearly where God wants to take us as a body. And we're moving in that direction with our time, our treasure, and our talent. And what I've seen the church do for so long, the people in the church, I know you wonder what these balloons are. It's time. I said, we've seen the church for so long, you know, get to a place where they're like, you know, they come into, they get that, that, we, when the pastor preaches the message on giving, I give some. The pastor preaches on serving, I give some. The pastor preaches on doing, being a better husband, I give some. It just has to keep popping up in the air, it has to keep moving. But we want to see this stop. We want to see this stop. And we want to see the Holy Spirit get in our hearts and, and raise us up continuously, holding us up, keep building us up. The Holy Spirit is the one pushing us forward that we won't have to be here to hear a sermon to be generous for a time. Listen, as the church, we need to stop with the balloon. We need to stop popping the balloon up in the air and letting the, letting the pastor or a connect group leader pop you up in the air a little more, encourage you a little more. We want to stop being people who have to be motivated by guilt in order to do the things God has already called us to do as followers of Jesus. We have to be. Our hope for this church is, is it being DNA, something that we do, but something that we are. It's in our DNA. And we can't be people who become generous for a season in response to a message. Oh, yeah, he got me that time. I got I to give him money this week. You know, that's not what it's about. We want to be a people who are generous for a lifetime in response to the gospel. Because of the gospel, I'm generous for a lifetime because God gave to me everything, so I'm giving everything back to him. Praise you, Jesus. And listen, right now, our culture of giving, I told you two weeks ago, our culture of giving in this church, this, this has got to go, sorry, I'll get it later. Um, our culture of giving in our church is not healthy. It's not. Right now, 35% of our regular attenders are giving to see 100% of the work done. 100% of, of the going, 100% of the sending. And it's time for us to ask God what he wants. Every person in this room, ask God, Write it down if you have to. God, is this the church that you want me to be a part of? And if it's not, you know what? 
I'm not going to be torn up about it forever. I might be sad for a while, but, I, you know, I, I'll get over it. But I want to see us, whoever is involved in this church, to invest, to participate, to become an owner, like holding on to be, being an owner and not just a participator. And what can he do with your time talent across the world that, that the, the church has used guilt trips to see people give? And you say, they've seen prosperity gospels to see people give. You give here, you'll get rich. That's not what it's about. We want to turn to the ultimate motivator. The ultimate motivator is grace. Because of God's grace, I'm generous. Because of God's grace, I'm a lover of people. Because of God's grace, his extravagant grace that he poured out on me, I'm going to go. Because my question is this, and as we close here in a second, where would you be, where would we be without God's generosity? Where would we be without his generosity of sending his son? I'm going to tell you, you'd be in the same place that a thousand people, thousands and thousands of people right now in Chatham County and millions of people around the world are in right now without our generosity. Since it wouldn't matter if Jesus came a thousand times and died a thousand times if no one ever heard about it, right? If no one ever heard about it or it was never, if it was never portrayed to people. So my question for you today is what legacy will you leave as a church for the next generation? When we're the old folks in our church and our kids become the torchbearers, what will they consider first and best? What will they consider first and best? Corinthians verse 8, how you are leading our church into the future. Because 2 Corinthians verse 8, or chapter 8 verse 9 says, Remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he was on a throne in heaven, he came to earth and died for us. Though he was rich, he came, yet for your sake he became poor. Why? So that you, by his poverty, may become rich. How awesome is that? Eric talked about it a couple weeks ago. Are we living for eternity or are we living for right here now? Because that, that determines our generosity. This is the message I want to preach, guys, and it's the last thing, I promise, is if, if God didn't spare any expense in sending Jesus to the cross so that I could live, so that we could live from free from sin and in his presence, then we shouldn't spare any expense in being generous with our time and our treasures and our talents to see Jesus glorified in us as we try to reach our city, our country, our world with the truth of the gospel that sets people free. That's my heart, man. And if you know me, my heart is, I, I hate giving messages like this. My wife, she's been like, you need to give a giving talk. You need to give a giving talk. I'm like, it's not what I'm about. I just want people to know Jesus. I want people to know Jesus and how much he loves them. And that's how we do it. I'm going to pray for us. Generous with our time, our treasures, and our talent. So I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to have, we're going to have the offering buckets next to the door as you're leaving. Um, if, you, if you feel led to give, you, you can. But this is going to be a weekly thing. It's not going to be a daily thing. So um, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing some. Um, if you got to go, I understand. But if you don't, stick around. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. I thank you for who you are. I praise you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. Father, I pray that you would just bless the reading of this word today. Father, that you would be honored. God, that we would be a church that honors you in all we do. Father, we just love you. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.